Okay, road trip, road trip, road trip, road trip. Yeah. So they were singing this wonderful song, I will follow you greater than the things of earth, greater than the universe, greater still you loved me first, I'll follow you. Who knows the Supremes? <laughs> Woo! I love him, I love him, I love him, and where I go, I'll follow, I'll follow, I'll follow. He'll always be my true love, my true love, my tr Come on, girls, stand up. Forever, 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 I will follow him. <laughs> That's a way to wake you up, you know. We had a nice big lunch. And some people think after lunch it's what? Not today. Mm -mm, no, we're going to keep you revved up and waking up. We gave you chocolate and I had coffee. So that's a good combination. Yeah, so we have miles to travel. We have adventures, we have treasures to glean from the road. And sometimes it's time to unpack our guns. Sometimes it's time to travel light. I did a retreat once, and as we went in the door, it was in Wyoming, and as we went in the door, it was a hunting lodge, and it had a big sign, Unload your guns. <laughs> I think that's probably a very good idea. And sometimes it's time to do exactly that. I'm juggling my chocolate here. So let me get organized, <laughs> which may never happen in this lifetime for me. <clears throat> so traveling light is the theme of our morning of our afternoon. <laughs> book of Hebrews is a marvelous, marvelous book. Um, I love, again, the one-year Bible because we read Hebrews every single year. And it has some profound things to say. Last year, when, when we got to the book of Hebrews, just chapter one was worth the price just chapter one, and I decided it was so fabulous that I had to, to memorize it. And so I decided to memorize the chapter, which was a, a, an amazing journey to have it tucked in my heart. And the way I do it is that I printed the whole chapter on one page in a Word document. And uh, you can go to Gateway Bible, something like that, on the internet, and you just go to for instance, Hebrews 1, cut and paste, put it on, on at least seven pieces of paper, <laughs> make seven copies and carry them everywhere. And um, it is, it's just profound to have scripture in your heart. A few years ago was the year that I passed one of those defining moment lines. I turned 60. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's nothing. It's just nothing. 
And um, as I always do, one of the greatest joys that I have for my morning is I get up earlier on my birthday. My birthday is January 4th. And um, so I take my one-year Bible. Sometimes I go to the beach. But that year that I turned 60, I decided just to go to my Holy of Holies. And that little bookmark that you were given with the girl looking at the map and the questions, you got it uh, last session. <clears throat> it has some step-by-step, uh, very practical things to do to develop your own quiet time. And I'll tell you, it's the greatest joy of your whole life. If you can establish, you young girls back there, if you can establish a real holy of holies, a time where you meet with God, now at this age, it'll change your life. It'll, it'll change your life. I wish I could write a letter to my younger self, put it in a time capsule, and read it when I was 20. If I read it when I was 20, if I read, read a letter that I would write today, I'd say, girl, fall in love with God's word. Girl, develop holy holies. Girl, make sure that you meet with God every single day. That's what I'd write a letter to my younger self. Well, too late now. <laughs> No, but, but uh, about 25 years ago, it's when I discovered it had just come out, the one-year Bible. And somebody um, had one and left it at my house, and I picked it up, and I said, what meaneth this? <laughs> and, and I looked through it, and I saw that the Bible was divided in 365 segments. And every day, you could read about 20 minutes, and then I turn to the back and I go, oh my goodness, you start at Genesis and, 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 and Matthew and, and you end with Revelation and you, you recover to cover. And I had never done that. And I was so excited that I got one. And I'll tell you the truth, the first few years I was not consistent. But as my friend told me today, she got one of these many years ago when I talked about it and she said she's not always consistent. But she said, I guarantee you I read more now that I have one than I ever did before. But by the third or fourth year, I was addicted. That's way more than consistent. Way more. Well, anyway, back to my birthday. I know you always want to hear about my birthday, don't you? <laughs> well, I have a Holy of Holies. And um, it's, a, it's a little chair. I have all my, my colored markers. And now I have a color marker system where I, I read with colored pens, and I have about five of them. And green, I underline things in green when something good is happening. Somebody's making a good choice, like when Abraham, so he left as God has instructed him. Well, that'd be a green marker moment for sure. But then a pink, bright pink, my highlighter, is when God is doing something supernatural. And I love that. I want to take note of that. I want to stand in awe of that. I have a yellow marker for the names of God. And I don't highlight every God, Lord, He. But sometimes I do. Because I am looking for God when I open my Bible, when I read my Bible. I want to see what He's thinking, what He's doing, how He works. So this day 
in my Holy of Holies, my, my when your Bible's always there, my dictionary, my journal, I have a journal um, that's just my God time journal, my pens, everything ready. And I open my Bible, and every January 4th, my birthday, I read Matthew 4 every single year. And I look forward to it because every year it's a new, it's a new, it's a new moment for me. And it's one of those defining moments for Matthew. And it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come, follow me. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And in the... Um, the, the new Son of God movie, and I, I hear mixed reviews, but there's, there's some moments that are just so sweet, and the moment that he calls Peter, the term that he uses is, not follow me, he says, come with me. And I love that, and so I decided to look in the Greek. What does it say? Does he say, follow me, or does he say, come? He, it's both. The Greek word is multifaceted. Just follow me, but come with me. I'm doing stuff. Don't you want to go? We're going to have God adventures. We're going to have see great things. Your life will never be the same. You're going to go deeper than you ever thought you could go. And, and so Matthew that day and Andrew dropped their nets and followed him. Now I have moments where he, I made big decisions on that day. But this day, as I read it, there was a spotlight on the words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so that day I got out of my chair and I kneeled down by my Bible, put my Bible down on the floor, put my hands on the Bible and I said, God, it's my birthday. Could you give me that? Could you give me that? Could could you make me a fisher of men? Because I've, I've always wanted to be an evangelist, and I have moments, but I want to be, be a soul winner. I do. And so um, later some friends came, and, and, and we went out to lunch, and I live in a military town, Oceanside, which is near Camp Pendleton. And it, we were going down to the beach, and as we drove, uh, somebody was driving my car, and I said, stop. Because along the side of the road, by some of the stores, there was a line of about 15, about 19-year-old newbies. Short hair, you know, kind of just leaning against the wall. And they, the military transports comes and gets them. And so they were just waiting for something, all lined up there. And I said, stop the car. I prayed for a birthday present this morning. I want to see if I got it. <laughs> so... So I started digging in the car, and I dug and dug, and I, I found a Gospel of John. I, I, maybe one's over there. I found, um, I found a Gospel of John, then I found two, and then I found 15 Gospels of John, a stack. I said, wait for me right here. And so I got out, and I went to the first young man, and I said, um, excuse me, excuse me, um, where, where are you from? And first one said, I'm from Missouri, ma'am. I bet you're homesick. Yes, ma'am. Are you going to get deployed soon? Yes, ma'am. Well, I bet you're scared about that, aren't you? 
Oh, yes, ma'am. I said, well, I feel like God sent me here today to give you this, this. It's a piece of the Bible. And a lot of people would like to read the Bible for themselves, but they don't know where to start. Yes, ma'am. If I give you this, you know, I, I think that'll fit, fit right in your, your pocket of your uniform. Well, yes, ma'am. If I give that to you, will you read it? Yes, ma'am. Went to the next boy. Um, so where are you from, son? Texas. That's your home set. Well, you know what he said? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> One military boy said, um, so you just got out of boot camp. Yes, ma'am. Um, in boot camp, did you ever think about God? He said, ma'am, everybody thinks about God in boot camp. <laughs> So I went down that whole line of those kids, those boys, and I gave them each a Gospel of John, and every single one of them said, yes, ma'am. And every single one of them said that they would read it. And you know why? Because when you're 60, you could do anything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. God wants to meet you. God wants to meet you. And he wants to take you on, on little God adventures. And it's when you hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Absolutely. So now we're going to talk about traveling light. Okay? What do you think? Okay? In Hebrews, therefore we also. It's Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, say that with me, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of of our faith. Paul the Apostle was a great pioneer of the faith, absolutely. And once he came to Christ, he was absolutely all in. He was all in, hook, line, and sinker. He is one of my great spiritual mentors. And in Acts 20, he says something profound that, that is just, I mean, it shakes you to your core. In Acts 20, 24, you don't have to look it up. I'll read it to you. But it's you write down the address because I think it's one of these things that you'll want to go back to. Acts 20, 24, Paul the Apostle says, none of these things move me. None. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We got a story to tell. We got a story. We got such a story. I've gone in so many God adventures. A few years ago I went to Israel we went to the darkest streets where the girls that had been trafficked and then used up were now just selling their bodies for drugs. Horrible place. And I can walk up to every, any woman, 
any teenager, any broken down person, any person in despair and say, God, God's grace can redeem you and restore you. I got a story. I got a story to tell. And to my dying day, I'm going to tell it. And so we should be motivated. Paul said, none of these things move me. So Paul, exactly what could have moved you? I was wondering. And then I remembered he talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He kind of gave a list of the things that might have moved him. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23, he says, are they ministers of Christ? I more. In labors abundant, stripes, meaning he was beat with stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. They think he died. Yeah. They think afterwards he looked ugly. No, really. They do. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep and journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. Well, that gets to you, your own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleepless often, in hunger and thirst and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides these things, what comes upon me daily is the concern for people. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? What concerned him most was that he worried about the Christians. He worried about them. He had a burden on their heart for them. And so those words, none of these things move me. I just want to stand in front of him someday and say, really? So how did you do that? That's a big list. How did you exactly do that? And so to... Today, this afternoon, the message is Traveling Light. Please write that on the top of your page, Traveling Light. And we're going to learn some lessons from the wagon trains. That was a journey. As the pioneers left the East Coast, they had such high hopes and great expectations. But it was hard. It was hard even starting out. It was hard, especially hard for the women, I betcha, because they were given one wagon, one wagon to take everything that they owned. So what do you choose? I mean, what do you choose? It was hard to, to leave their good china, let alone the china cabinet, behind. And so as they packed their wagon, they had to make choices. Please write that word. They had to make choices. Would they pack what they really needed, what was essential for life, or would they be very tempted to hold on and squeeze in what they wanted and what they were used to? That would be the extra baggage, as we saw our little VW bug. 
suitcases on the top, Beverly Hills Billy's kind of style. So those that overpacked, who's an overpacker in this room? Oh, yeah, mercy on us. Oh, man. Extra baggage. <laughs> we need a U-Haul to go on a two-day trip. That's what us. The other day, we were packing. I was packing for a, a two-day getaway with my husband. And I, I left two suitcases at the top of the stairs and said, Honey, would you bring them down? which as he was carrying them down, he had a paper bag at the bottom. I said, what's that? He said, that's my stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So extra baggage, extra baggage um, can be a problem. All was well for the pioneers when the roads were smooth and the weather was good, which lasted about the first hundred miles, but they had hundreds and hundreds to go. They had to be very careful when they left. They had to leave after the spring rains and before the snow, so there was a small window. So they had to be strategic. They had a long way to go. The Oregon Trail, therefore, was littered with You know what? (laughs) Stuff. Lots of stuff. Lots of pink teacups and china cabinets. And oh, how they wished that they had packed lighter and smarter. Yes, they did. Because as they, they got to the rough spots in their journey, they wished they had a spare tire. They wish they had an extra blanket. They wish they had a shovel. They wish, instead of cupcakes, they had a bag of beans. Yes. Again, the pioneers had hopes and dreams, just like us. But when the roads were rough, some literally turned back. Absolutely. Some, when they just got tired of it, They stopped and settled somewhere along the road, even if the soil was bad and the town was filthy. They just couldn't go any further. And don't you see it with women? Don't you see it with us? So many people have turned back. I came to the Lord in the Jesus People Revival. In 1968, 1969, 1970, hundreds of kids would come to the Lord every single, like in a high school, a hundred kids would come to the Lord in a week. And the next week they'd be kids packing their Bibles like six shooters, you know, they'd be having tracks in one pocket and Bible in the other. I mean, on fire for kids. It was awesome. I've seen so many people turn back. I've seen so many people settle by the side of the road when they get weary and give up and just said, we're not going on. But some, there were some, when there was danger, when it was dark, when they were lonely, they circled the wagons. That was a great, great part of those that made it, their success. They built a fire in. They held together. They shared what they had. They just kept moving forward one step at a time. I want to tell you that the Christian life, although it can 
be, be paralleled to a race. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And I've run half marathons, and about halfway through, you hit the wall. You do. And you just have to keep pressing through until you get past that, and then you get your second wind, and you can keep going. And that's the way it is. It's a journey, one step at a time, really. Yes, along the way, there's hardships, there's dangers, there's setbacks. There's, you know, bandits along the way. But we are not alone. And that's why we need to do it together. Paul the Apostle, at one time, could have looked, could have looked to some, and he did look to some, like he had arrived. I mean, he had all the religious credentials of success. Anybody would have said he's very, very much on the top of his game. And so let's turn now to Philippians. Because Philippians has, it's such a powerful book. And it has a big message for us today about traveling light. Philippians 3. And in verse 4, he says, if anyone thinks that he have, could, may have confidence in the flesh, he said, I could have. And in verse 5, he mentions his religious credentials, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisees, concerning zeal, he was zealous persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is of the law, he was blameless. Verse 7, But th what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Verse 8 is one of these verses and 9 that you should, should underline and memorize. Yet all these things I count as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Wow, Paul, he got it, didn't he? He so understood that he was the Pharisee, and it was like, like standing on the, the shore of the ocean and some, some broken down nobody who's made a lot of failure. He could say, hey, buddy, try to jump across the ocean. Try to arrive, and that guy, maybe he'd just do a little leap and land face down in the sand. Well, what could Paul do? Maybe he could jump 10 feet across. But there's the ocean. He got that. I hope we all get that. We, we, we just can't earn this amazing gift of eternal life, this amazing gift of being completely forgiven. And so he left the things that are behind, 
And then in verse 13, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so, why did I read these things? Why did I read his mission statement, his banner, his, his victory shout? Why did I read those? Paul was motivated. He knew where he was going. He saw that life is short. <laughs> Yeah, you can fall off the stage, <laughs> die of humiliation, or other things. He, he, he had a goal. He had a prize. And I love that line from, from um, Chariots of Fire. Fire. If you remember the line, um, the, the Eric Little said, When I run, I sense his pleasure. When I run, God has made me fast. And when I run, I sense his pleasure. And you know, Paul knew that. Paul knew his niche. He knew his lane. He knew what God had put him on this earth for. And you know what? I know, I know what God put me on this earth for is to beg and plead and to teach and to encourage people to read their Bible and to teach them to jump in and discover the treasure. That's what... To my dying day, if you see them rolling me away in, a, in an ambulance, I'll be talking to the ambulance driver. Have you read your Bible today? You know it will change your life. Bye. <laughs> so long. He knew what he was on this planet for. You know, it's said about Americans, we have lots to live with, but very little to live for. Emerson said that many people live their lives with quiet desperation and they go to their graves with their song still in them. Well, I'm not going to do that, are you? No, child of God, it's not too late. If you don't know, if you haven't asked God, the equation is very simple. He says, ask and you shall receive. Ask him. He's the one that made you up. He's the one that gave you your fingerprints. You know, as Dr. Seuss says, there is no one, oh, how does it go? You are you that is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. <laughs> yeah. He made you. He has purpose for you. Let me read those words again. I count myself to, not to have apprehended, but one thing I do. And you know what? Sometimes it's just good to focus. Stop multitasking. Just stay focused. I press. I press. I forget the things that are behind. I reach forward to the things of head. I press toward the goal for the prize. For the prize. And we're going to talk about that. What is the prize? of my upward call in Christ Jesus. What is that? Verse 20, a little bit more 
motivation thrown in here for my, our citizenship. No, it's not down here. Do you think your citizenship is down here? It's in heaven. That's your real citizenship. Absolutely. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, who will say, Hallelujah. All women should say, Hallelujah. Please. <laughs> Just in case you were sleeping when I said that, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, that it will be conformed to his glorious body, according to the work it, working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. The same power that he's able to call the lightning to stop, he can transform us. Yeah, that's so good. We should just be loving that. We should have that eternal perspective, you know, and knowing that this isn't it. This isn't our final des destination. We are just passing through. Verse 4, I mean, chapter 4, verse 1, starts with the word, what do you think it starts with? What do you think it starts with? Okay, let's all say, therefore. And you know how it goes. When you see the word therefore, then you need to ask, what is it there for? Yeah, what is it there for? Because of this. Because Paul is reaching toward his prize, and you go, what's the prize? And he's reaching toward heaven. He knows that, that he's got a big life going to happen up there. Therefore, he says, my beloved and my longed-for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. You know, a lot of people view Paul as kind of a hard nose. You know, he was tenacious. He was determined. He was committed. He could go through the, the shipwrecks. You know, but sometimes he talks like a girl. <laughs> Doesn't he? I mean, really. My beloved, my longed for, my crown, my jewels. I love Paul. He is a great, great hero to me. And, you know, when we get in heaven, um, you know, I, I love to hear people talk about it. Um, and And I was just thinking of, of, you know, the treasures, the treasures. And um, there was this one guy that came to the pearly gates, and, and Peter was there, and, and he had these suitcases. And, um, and Peter said, so what's in the suitcases? And he said, well, it's gold. It's gold in the suitcases. And, you know, I sent a note up ahead, and Jesus said it was okay. And Peter said, Come on in, but you know up here it's just asphalt. Because <laughs> they paved the streets with gold. Right, yeah, yeah. So. so it's people. It's people, yeah. 
my granddaughter, my cute little granddaughter, one day she was at my house, and we were reading about heaven, and we were reading Revelation 21, and if you've not read Revelation 21 about heaven, it's glorious. And we were reading that, and I was explaining to her what heaven would be like. And then when we were were done, she said, Oh, Grammy, um, I love heaven. I love you talking about it. And I said, Oh, baby, um, I hope that when we get to heaven that you live next door to me. And she said, Oh, no, Grammy, when I get to heaven, I'm living with you. (laughs) Don't tell my daughter that. So therefore, my beloved... It's people we're going to look for. It's going to be that little kid that lived down the block that nobody liked because he acted out. He acted out. He was hard to get along with. But you knew why. You knew why. Because life was hard at his house. You knew why he was acting out. And you made sure that that when you made cookies... You always made sure he got some. You're going to be looking for that little boy in heaven. You're going to be looking for that person that you prayed for. You're going to be looking for people. And then he launches into this subject. I implore you, Yudia, and I implore you, Sintichi, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Verse 3, And I urge you also, true companions, Help these women who have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement, also in the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So as he laid up the pitcher, pressing toward the goal, looking for the prize, our citizens in heaven, and people are our jewels. Then he has a little talk with the church. Yudia and Sintichi. Whatever was going on, I'm telling you, there was malice in the palace. Yeah, something had happened, and we don't really know what had happened. But in light of the the eternity, you know, they say to dwell above with saints we love. Oh, that will be praise and glory. To dwell below with saints we know. Now that's another story. (laughs) And so it's time to travel light. And so he's going to have a little talk. He had a little talk with them and said, girls, get over it. Just get over it. Years ago, Carol Gilligan did a study of children in the schoolyard. She discovered that boys solved their disagreements far more quickly than girls did. Why? Because they wanted to get back in the game. (laughs) Girls, on the other hand, (laughs) no. When girls had a spat on the playground, game over. Girls have a tendency to pick up their toys and go home. Yeah. Shakespeare said, hell hath no fury 
like a woman scorned. <laughs> what was he talking about? Not us, right? <laughs> he wasn't talking about us. Us women that are like that. Yeah, so since we as women tend to have this tendency, no one's looking at me now and that's okay. <laughs> we need to have the personal policy to travel light. You have your little card, do you not? This is your ticket. This is your ticket. Where is it? Did we pass them out? Yeah, did I get one? <laughs> I need a ticket. I got a ticket to ride. I got a ticket to ride. Okay. This is the most brilliant little card. The most brilliant little saying. And I sent it on ahead and asked them to make it up for each of us. And do you notice it's about the size that it's good to frame? Okay. Let's read it together. The first to apologize is the bravest. The first to forgive is the strongest. The first to forget is the happiest. Woohoo! Yeah. Is that true? Is that true? I believe that's absolutely true. And what, what Paul was talking about. It's traveling light. If you've got somewhere to go, and truthfully, don't you? We want to get to this. We're to lay aside the sin, the weight that so easily besets us. And sometimes we know it's our sin. And we know that there's consequences to sin. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Yeah, it's our own sin. It's our own fault. But then there's the sins of others. Well, I think we could tuck it right along in that verse. That we are to set aside the sin. The sin. The sins of others that seem to hang on us like excess baggage. And it does beset us. Where we can't run our race. We're distracted and waylaid in our course. And so we need to get to that. Since we, we are, have that tendency, Hebrews says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up to cause trouble, and by it many are defiled. Back to these two women. Look at the language that he uses. I implore you, Yudia. I implore you, Sintichi. These women probably had served on ministry. Maybe last year they were the ones in the kitchen, chopping the carrots, singing a song, praise music, just loving serving together. Maybe they were they taught Sunday school together. Maybe they they went out to lunch. Maybe they were fast friends, ministry partners. They weren't just sideline Christians, but something had happened. Maybe Yudia was always late. 
maybe Sintichi was always bossy. I'll replace those words sometimes. I was using loaded language. Do you see how that is? I'll cross off the always and put sometimes, sometimes. Maybe it was a bunch of little things that happened over a long period of time and it just added up. Or maybe it was a big conflict over the color of ribbon to use on the lunches. I don't know, something so important. A strong disagreement that just severed their relationship. Whatever it was, whatever it was, feelings were hurt. And I want to tell you, and here's just a little tip. There are certain times of the month that, it's, that we have to factor in. No, we do. I'm talking serious about that. And if you have friends in about their 50 range, you have to factor it in for about three years. Yeah. Menopause can make you crazy. Yes. When I started going through menopause, and this is just women mostly here, so I, I went to the doctor and I said, so, so, so help me through this journey of menopause. And I said, whatever, whatever you do, just don't let me get mean. Give me any pill. I'll take any pill. Just don't let me get mean, like constantly mean. Because sometimes it happens. Whatever happened with these two words, with these women, feelings were hurt. Look at the progress of what usually happens. Feelings were hurt, and then words were said. And then maybe, instead of keeping the circle small, they widened the circle. Maybe words were said to others about how these feelings were felt, and it got bigger, and then it gets blown out of proportion, and a molehill becomes a mountain, and then, then we become stuck. Do you see how that happens? I know that you, you're not, none of you are really looking at me. I mean, a lot of you aren't. Some of you are, but, but I, I've been in churches and I've been in ministries and been on mission trips where you turn on the faucet and brown water comes out and that can really put women on edge. <laughs> I don't know why, but... I've served on committees for over 40 years. And let me tell you some things that are breaking my heart. Number one, we give up on each other way too quick. Yes, we do. People leave churches way too quick. They do. I think everyone's writing this down, right? Number two, to write down. <laughs> we haven't learned to communicate. Make that, one, make that two, three, four, and seven. No, we haven't learned to communicate. Uh, and obviously, I'm over 60, and I'm still learning. Communication is an art. It is. It's an art. And we need to learn Many, many conflicts are because of misunderstanding. We really misunderstood somebody. And so number three, write that, this down, and this is really big. Do not overthink. 
Do not overthink things. Do not expand it out and overthink and overthink because sometimes we are so wrong. I was so mad at my stepdad. He just hurt my feelings so bad. And I stood over it. And every time he called, I, I called my mom. And he answered, I was cold and icy. And I just made sure that I wasn't warm and friendly for a solid year. And I overthought it and overthought it and overthought it. And you know, at the end of the year, I discovered that after he said what he said, he didn't think of it one more time. Yeah. The equation doesn't work for me. One year of misery for me and zero for him. <laughs> Girls, we got to get, get a grip on this, really. This is our life. This is our life. And we don't want to be dragging these things that are useless baggage for us. And the next one, number four, we talk to others way too often instead of talking to God, to God. Let me just tell you a few things. Anger is a strong feeling of displeasure and even belligerence. It's aroused by a real or even a supposed grievance. It's resentment. That's what anger is. Anger begins with an emotional response, but it can end up as a personality character trait. And often, if we don't do what the Bible tells us to do, it becomes malice. Malice. Say that word. Malice. malice. We've heard the word, but we don't really know um, we, because oftentimes we haven't investigated what does that mean. This is what it means. It me means a desire to inflict injury, <laughs> harm, or suffering on another person. And I don't know if you admit this to yourself, but when you're angry at somebody, you, you can have this kind of wishful thought that something bad happens to them. Yeah, that um, things won't go well, that people won't like them. And so if that's not happening, then we see to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just so honest up here, aren't I? Okay. I I heard a story about a um an Indian warrior and a young warrior and he was very jealous of another warrior in the tribe. And so um he decided to talk behind his back. He had malice in his heart. He resented him. And so he spread some malicious, twisted things about him all through the tribe. And then he had a change of heart, and he realized that he was making himself miserable, and he went to the Indian chief, and he, he confessed what he had done. And the Indian chief said, gave him a bag of feathers and said, take feathers. Put one feather by each tent in the tribe. The warrior thought, wow, I'm getting off easy. Great, I'll do that. So he took a feather, put it at the entrance to each tent in the whole tribe, teepee, I guess. 
And then he went back to the chief and he said, I did it, I did it. And chief said, no, go collect them. And he said, I can't, I can't. They've blown all over. Who knows where those feathers are? And the chief said, right, so right. Words are like that. They just spread. We just can't reel them back once we've said those little things. And you know what? We need to have a real good policy. Zip your lip. My grandma always used to say, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. And that's a good thing here. So as we stop and take a look at this story, there's some important things to to remember. Paul isn't sitting at a cozy desk in an ivory palace. When he writes Philippians, not only had he gone through those shipwrecks and all of that, he was now in jail. He's now in jail. And he's writing to Eudias and Sintichi. Girls, it doesn't matter who, who got to choose the color of the bows. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we have to get a grip. What are we really hanging on to this pile of stuff for? And measure it compared to the real painful things that are going on in life. You could say, you just don't understand, Paul. So really, I don't understand? No, you don't understand. You don't think so. He had been wronged. He had been falsely accused. He'd been threatened to be murdered. He was chained in Acts 20, 24. Again, it's his victory shout, and listen to it very carefully. He said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. But the next line is very, very critical. Nor do I count my life dear to my who has seen the Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. There's this little guy named Smeagol. Yes. And when he gets a hold of the ring, what does he say? My precious. Oh, my goodness, he's creepy. When you first meet him, he's just an ordinary guy. And then he morphs into this very, very shell of what he could have been. And Tozer just nails it very, very profoundly when he talks about the tyranny of the self-life. And that is really a critical area for us that I highly recommend. The self-life is extra baggage. It is. And when we turn our eyes inward... We get lost in it. And girls, we need to turn our eyes outward. And that is freeing. I love this little saying. The first one to apologize is the bravest. The first one to forgive is the strongest. The first one to forget is the happiest. My friend, I sent that little card to her, and she wrote me back, and she said, Debbie, what does it mean to forget? 
What does it mean? And I thought, okay, let's put a definition to it. Let's put feet to this. It's being intentional. It's being intentional. It's making a definitive choice. Because this also, like we were talking about this morning, is standing at the crossroads and making a choice. Will I choose to overthink? Will I choose to remember this and remember this and put in the videotape and click it, see it again, see it again, see it again, play out all the features of it, or not? Will I choose to take out the trash. And I don't know if I shared this with you last time I was with you, but I love trash day. (laughs) Thursday is trash day. I love trash day. And when I hear the truck coming down the street and it's loud and George and I, we'll just, I mean, it comes like at 7 o'clock in the morning and we start screaming and running all through the house and collecting our trash and we dump it in and we wheel that puppy out to the curb and then sometimes I watch the truck drive up and put those little forks in those cans and it goes, and then lifts it up and dumps it out and puts down my can empty. I love trash day. I've never once, I've never once run after the truck. I've changed my mind. (laughs) Never, never, never. Oh, Yudia and Sintichi. Here's some, here's some, some, some steps to take then. Here's some steps to take. Number one. Please, everyone, write this down. You need to build a bridge and get over it. (laughs) That's the journey. That's the journey. Build a bridge and get over it. There was a woman in my my office. I sold real estate for many years, and, and for some reason... Her name was Debbie, and she was exactly my size and exactly my age, and she hated me. She would walk by my office, and she would stamp her foot. She would, sometimes we would do caravan and ride in each other's cars. She would sit in my back seat and gossip about me. She was so, she was just on a rampage. I mean, she hated me. And then I, there was this young woman in, in my office that I just adored. And I was positive I was going to lead her to Christ. I, was, I just loved her so much. A little single mom. She'd had her first kid at 15. I loved this girl. She went to work with Miss Meanie, that mean woman. And, one, and, and my little friend also did hair. And so she did this woman's hair. And No, she did my hair. That's right. That's a long time ago. Okay. So she worked for this mean lady. And this, this mean lady was so mean to her. I mean, just would verbally abuse her and just be so mean to her. And so one day she was doing my hair, my friend, and she was telling me, and she was brokenhearted and so crushed. I was steaming, 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 steaming. And I, I knew plenty about that Mrs. Mean Lady. And I just felt like just spewing it. Oh, yeah, I know lots of th- mean things about her. And the Lord gave me a mental picture. Duct tape. No, really. 
I haven't had very many visions in my life, but I had a mental, really literal mental vision of duct tape going around my mouth. And the Lord, it's like he was putting a stop. Don't you dare say anything. Don't you pollute the path. Don't you put poison out there. And I was like, like, I was like that. I just was so furious. But the Lord just forbid me two days later. Two days later, my little friend, my single mom friend called me. And I, I, all I could hear is, <laughs> hello? And she was just crying. I said, is this Deborah? Her name was Deborah. She said, yes. I said, what's wrong? She said, my teenage son. I said, I'll be right there. She had horrible trouble, trouble with her teenage son. So I drove right to her house, sat down. She started to tell me the story of her teenage son. And I said, well, Deborah, you didn't really call me. You were calling out for God. That's who you need right now. And she said, I know, but I didn't know his number. <laughs> <laughs> and that day, that night, she accepted the Lord. And that's been like 20 years ago, honestly. Uh-huh, yeah. And that one moment of obedience kept the path clear. And now she's married to this amazing godly man and she works in the youth group and Lord, the Lord is just using her in a mighty way. And so how about Miss, Mrs. Mean Gal? Mrs. Mean Gal? Build a bridge and get over it. The Lord forbid me from speaking about her even in my heart. And she got cancer to, about a few years later. And the Lord put it on my heart to take a scripture and frame it, beautiful scripture, and um, take it to her house. I was quite nervous about that. And so I prayed, and a certain day the Lord said, this is the day. And I knocked on her door, had this little scripture, and no one answered. I go, yay, I'll leave it by the door. And I was opening the screen door to just put it right there, and she flung open the door. And I just swallowed hard, and as she saw my face, she literally leapt out of the door and put her arms around my neck and started sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And the Lord just showed me, never underestimate. You obey God. You obey God. And he's the one that builds the bridge. So number one, build a bridge, get over it. Number two, put on your eternity glasses do please please i'll tell you you might be living next to that person in heaven so just get over it you need to know that that in the body of christ christians children of god their names are written in the book of life and, and you know when they get in heaven they're going to be transformed they're going to be <laughs> you're going to be better and they are too Number three, let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Gentleness, let it be known to all. Sometimes we need to speak about that issue, right? Let this be your guiding light. Be gentle. Don't unload your baggage all at once. Don't use both barrels. 
Yeah, don't do that. Is that number three? That's number three. Mm -hmm. um, be gentle. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you need to talk to the person and don't dump on them. Don't dump on them. Yeah, don't dump on them. Don't use loaded language. Loaded language is, you always, you never. If you're talking to your husband, you always lose the keys. You never take out the garbage. Don't do that. Be gentle. A soft answer turns away wrath. And then number four, be humble. Be humble. Remember that sometimes you make mistakes and you lose the keys too. Yeah. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Write down two things that you learn. Write down two things that you learn. I want to encourage you again that when you write something down, you'll remember it. You might not remember what I said, but you'll remember what you wrote down. So let's just take five or six minutes before the break and just share what you learned.